Chapter Thirty Four of Faulkner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Beth Blakely, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Faulkner by Mary Shelley. Chapter Thirty Four. Neville returned home. He paused at the drawing-room door. A slight noise indicated that his father was within. His hand was on the lock, but he retreated. He would not intrude uncalled for. He wandered through the dark, empty rooms till a bell rang. Sir Boyville inquired for him. He hurried into his presence. He devoured the expression of his countenance with his eyes, trying to read the thought within. Sir Boyville's face was usually stamped with an unvarying expression of cold self-possession, mingled with sarcasm. These feelings were now at their height. His aged countenance, withered and deep-lined, was admirably calculated to depict the concentrated disdain that sat upon his lips and elevated his brows. He pointed to the papers before him and said in a composed yet hollow voice, Take these away. Read, for it is necessary you should, the amplified confession of the murderer. Gerard's blood ran cold. Yet why call it a confession? continued Sir Boyville, his assumed contempt rising into angry scorn. From the beginning to the end it is a lie. He would varnish over his unparalleled guilt. He would shelter himself from its punishment, but in vain. Read, Gerard. Read and be satisfied. I have wronged your mother. She was innocent. Murdered. Be assured that her vindication shall be heard as loudly as her accusation, and that her destroyer shall die to expiate her death. Be that my task, said Gerard, trembling and pale from the conflict of passion. I take the office of vengeance on myself. I will meet Mr. Faulkner. Ha! You think of a duel? cried his father. Remember your promise, young man. I hold you strictly to it. You do nothing without first communicating with me. You must read these papers before you decide. I have decided. Be not afraid. I shall not forestall your purpose. I will not challenge the murderer. But, in return for this pledge, give me your word that you have no communication with the villain till you see me again. I will not balk you of your revenge, be sure of that, but you must see me first. I promise, said Gerard. And one word more, continued Sir Boyville. Is there any possibility of this man's escape? Is he wrapped in the security which his lie affords? Or has he even now fled beyond our vengeance? Be his crimes what they may, replied Neville. I believe him to entertain a delicate sense of worldly honor. He has promised to remain in his home till he hears from me. He doubtless expects to be challenged, and I verily believe desires to die. I feel convinced that the idea of flight has not crossed his mind. Enough. Good night. We are now one, Gerard, united by our love and honor for your wronged mother's memory, and by our revenge, dissimilar only in this, that my desire to repair her injuries is more vehement even than yours. Sir Boyville pressed his son's hand and left him. A few minutes afterward, it would seem, he quitted the house. Now to my task, thought Neville, and O oh, thou God who watchest over their innocent, and yet gavest the innocent into the hands of the destroyer, Rule thou the throbbings of my heart, that neither mad hate nor hunger for revenge take away my human nature and turn me into a fiend? He took up the manuscript. At first the words seemed written in fire, but he grew calmer as he found how far back the narration went, and curiosity succeeding to devouring impatience, he became attentive. He read and pitied. All that awoke Sir Boyville's ire, Faulkner's presumption in daring to love, and his long-cherished constancy excited his compassion. 
when he came to the account of the meeting of the forsaken lover and happy husband he found in the epithets so liberally bestowed in the contemptuous description of his father a cause for his augmented desire for vengeance when he read that his mother herself repined herself spoke disparagingly of her husband he wondered at the mildness of sir boyville's expressions with regard to her and began to suspect that some strange and appalling design must be working in his head to produce this unnatural composure the rest was madness madness and misery thus to take a wife and mother from her home to gratify the insane desire to exert for one half hour a power he had lost for ever the vain hope of turning her from her duties which at least as far as her children were concerned were the dearest part of herself her terror her incapacity of mastering her alarm the night of insensibility which she passed in the hut with a start gerard felt sure that he had seen and marked that very spot all wrought him up to the height of breathless interest till when he read the sad end of all cold dew gathered on his brow the tears that filled his eyes changed to convulsive sobbings and despite his manhood he wept with the agony of a child he ended the tale and he thought yes there is but one termination to this tragedy i must avenge my sweet mother and by the death of falkner proclaim her innocence but wherefore it came across his mind had his father called him murderer in intention and very deed he was none why term the narrative a lie he followed it word by word and felt that truth was stamped in every line the house was still it was two in the morning had his father retired to rest he had been so absorbed by his occupation that he had heard no sound knew nothing that might have been passing around he remembered at last sir boyville's good night and believing as all was hushed that all slept he retired to his own room he could not think of elizabeth or of the projected duel he could think only of the narrative he had read when in bed unable to sleep he rose lighted his candle and read much of it again he pondered over every word in the concluding pages it was all true he would have staked his existence on the accuracy of every word was it not stamped on falkner's brow as he had seen him but a few hours ago sad and worn with grief and suffering but without the stain of concealed guilt lofty in its very woe it was break of day just as gerard was thinking of rising to find and consult with his father that slept crept unawares over him sleep will visit the young unbidden he had suffered so much fatigue of mind and body that nature sought relief sleep at first disturbed but soon profound and refreshing steeped his distracted thoughts in peace his wearied limbs in delightful repose the morning was far advanced when he awoke refreshed ready to meet the necessities of the hour grieved but composed sad but strengthened and resolved he inquired for his father and heard to his infinite astonishment that he had left town he had set out in his travelling carriage at four that morning a note from him was put into neville's hands it contained few words remember your engagement that you take no steps with regard to mr falkner till you have seen me i am setting out for dromore on my return which will be speedy i will communicate my wishes to which i do not doubt you will accede neville was startled he guessed at once sir boyville's aim in the sudden journey but was he not a fit partner in such an act ought he not to share in the duty of rendering honour to his mother's grave he felt that he ought to be at his father's side and ordering his own chariot set out with the hope of overtaking him but sir boyville travelled with equal speed and was many miles and many hours in advance gerard hoped to come up with him when he stopped at night but the old gentleman was so eager in his pursuit that he prosecuted his journey without rest gerard continued in the same way travelling alone 
he revolved again and again all that must be all that might have been whatever happened he was divided from elizabeth forever did she love him he had scarcely questioned the return his affection would one day meet till now that he had lost her forever and like a true lover earnestly desirous to preserve some property in her he loved he cherished the hope that she would share his deep regrets and so prove that in heart they were one how pleasant were the days that had passed at oakley all his sorrows there and his passionate desire to unveil the mystery of his mother's fate how had it given an interest to each hour and imparted an untold and most sweet grace to the loved elizabeth that she should sympathize with so much fervor and kindness how strange the chance that led the daughter of the destroyer to share the feelings of the unhappy victim's son yet stranger still that that destroyer had a child rambling among many tangled thoughts gerard started when first this idea suggested itself where was faulkner's boasted fidelity on which he laid claim to compassion and pardon where his assertion that all his soul was centred in alethea and this child an angel from her birth was even then born to him he opened the writing-case which contained the papers and which he carried with him he referred to them for explanation yes elizabeth then lived and was not far from him her hand had stayed his arm raised against his life it was not enough that the frenzy of passion urged him to tear alethea from her home and children but even the existence of his own daughter was no restraint he was willing to doom her from very childhood to a partnership in guilt and misery hitherto despite all and in despite of his resolve to meet him in mortal encounter neville had pitied faulkner but now his heart grew hard against him he began to revolve thoughts similar to those expressed by sir boyville and to call elizabeth's father an impostor his tale a lie he re-read the manuscript with a new feeling of scepticism this time he was against the writer he detected exaggeration where before he had only found the energy of passion he saw an attempt to gloss over guilt where before he had read merely the struggles of conscience the innate innocence of profound feeling combating with the guilt which circumstances may impart to our loftiest emotions his very sufferings became but the just visitation of angry heaven he was a wretch whom to kill were mercy and elizabeth beautiful generous and pure was his child End of chapter 34 Recording by Beth Blakely